0: So this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys sound great this morning. We're going to be finishing up our series on James today. We're going to be talking about a faith that works. A faith that works. Last week I talked about dynamic faith. This week I want to talk about having a faith that actually produces something. A faith that makes things happen. A faith that when you step out and you trust God that you can expect. To see results. But before we go into that, I want to talk about divine healing a little bit. Look at your notes. Look up on the screen. James chapter 5 verses 13 through 15 says this. And notice this first statement. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. You know, we skip down in these verses and we look at healing and the other things. But I love this first promise. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. How many of you have ever been in trouble? Okay, I'm going to give you a clue here. If you're in trouble, pray. Okay, that's what it says right here. But I love the fact that it says, listen, when you're going through something, talk to God about it. Pray about it. And then he goes on to say, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Look on your notes, the first blank I've got for you there. I'm going to make this statement, God still heals people today. God still is in the business of healing people. And not just physically. God is also in the business of healing people physically, relationally, and emotionally. God is still in that business, guys. How many of you have seen, experienced, or know of someone that God has touched and he's healed them? Amen. He still is in that business. The Bible tells us in Scripture that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. His Word never changes. And God is still in the business of touching and changing lives. 2 Timothy 4.18 tells us, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack, and He will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I want you to understand, though, that all the miracles in the Bible, when Jesus came and healed people and all the different things happened let's just discuss that for a minute. How many of you remember the story of Lazarus, the, the guy that died and that was in the tomb? You' all remember that story? Thank you. All right Lazarus was Jesus' friend. He got sick. They sent a message, said, "Hey, Jesus, come, Lazarus is sick, but before Jesus came, he died. And Jesus delayed his trip. And anyway, Jesus shows up and heals Lazarus, raised Lazarus from the dead. Also, there's another story in Scripture where there's a little girl that was sick. Jesus prayed over her and healed her. And she lived also. So we have just a couple examples there. But let me ask you a question. Did Lazarus die later? Yeah. Lazarus died, didn't he? And the little girl that Jesus healed, didn't she, after a certain period of time, didn't she die also? And think about all the people in Scripture that Jesus went around and did all these miracles and healed people and and all these other things. But at some point, they died, didn't they? And it made me start to think, what is God really interested in? What is God really interested in? Look at your notes. God is concerned about your eternity. See, it wasn't just the miracles themselves. The miracles were awesome, but the miracles that Jesus did, what? Pointed to the fact that he was the son of God, that God loved people. Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted and and save you guys and and all all these wonderful promises that we have in the scripture, but they were for a purpose because God cares about where you're going to spend eternity. Because the truth is, either he's coming back or you're going to pass away, but there's going to come a time that we're no longer here in this physical temple anymore. And then eternity begins. And the question is, then, now what? And God cares about your eternity. In other words, he cares about your relationship with him that's going to go on forever. And the miracles and all the amazing things that happen in the Bible simply point us to the fact that God loves us. And he wants to have relationship with us. But it's not just the miracles themselves. They're pointing to the cross. And they're pointing to the fact that God wants a relationship with you. And we never need to forget that. Listen to this. Luke chapter 10 verses 19 through 20 says this. This is Jesus talking. So I think we ought to pay attention. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. I don't like snakes. On snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. That's an amazing promise. However, listen to this. Jesus says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits or that the demons submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Isn't that interesting? He said, don't get all caught up in the fact that that you can cast out demons or that you can pray over people and they'll get healed. That's awesome because that shows the power of God. But he said, rejoice that your names are written in the book of heaven. Because one of these days, guys, this is all going to be over with. And the only thing that's going to matter at that point is your relationship with God. Where do you stand in relationship with him? We need to remember that God cares about souls. It's why Jesus came. And he came to reestablish a relationship with the Father, period. That's why Jesus came. So there's some things that God wants to grow in you, that God wants to move in you. He wants to see you mature. And the first thing is, God wants you, look at your notes, God wants you to grow in faith. He wants you to grow in faith. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Well, I wanted to know what the Greek word for faith was. I wanted to understand the translated word. So I went back to the Greek, and I looked up the word faith from the New Testament, and it is the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And this is what it means. It means forward-reaching, aggressive, powerful. It's, it's It's a passion and an impression that has such a belief that it's aggressive towards reaching a goal. That's what faith is. Faith is we're aggressively believing God for something. And it's targeted. It's faith towards something. I'm believing God for whatever that is. And you're aggressive about it. It's not passive. As a matter of fact, the the author of the book said it it doesn't look back and wonder what's going to happen. It has this confidence towards this goal. And God is interested in growing that kind of faith in you. God wants you to grow in faith. So how does that work? I mean, I, I was curious, if I'm going to have a dynamic faith that's going to do something, how does God develop that inside of us? How does that happen? So how do you make faith work? Well, here's number one on your notes today. Faith begins with a word from God. And word is all caps. Faith begins with a word from God. I'll tell you a little Bible story. First 1 Kings 17.1. Now, Elijah, he was a prophet. He was a Tishbite from Tishbe. How'd you like to be from Tishbe? That's just horrible. Um, But he was from Tishbe in Gilead, and he said to King Ahab, this was a really wicked, evil king, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except in my word. Now, the reason this was going on is Ahab was king at this time, and Israel was really, really wicked place, and God wasn't just punishing them to get, you know, to be mean to them. God only disciplines us when he's trying to get our attention. How many of you understand that? God is a good father. You know, God is an abusive father. God doesn't just do mean things. God was trying to get Israel's attention, and they were off running around messing their lives up. So he sent the prophet Elijah and said, hey, we don't need any rain for a while. So Elijah goes to the king and says, hey, you guys are messing up, so we're not going to have any rain for three years. Now, I want you to understand something. In a society whose whole culture is based on agriculture, that's a problem. And so no rain for three years. And that's what's going on here. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says this. This is God talking. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I want to explain something here. Anyone's opinion that you listen to that doesn't match up to God's word doesn't mean anything. I'll say that again. Anyone's, anyone's opinion, mama, daddy, pookie, whoever it is that you just think is wonderful, Oprah, even Oprah, I mean, you know, all these people, whoever's opinion it is that doesn't match up with God's Word doesn't mean anything. God's Word is the foundation. God's Word is the standard that as believers we live by. And not just believers, it's the truth. Period. And so anything that has to happen in faith in your life has to be founded on what God's Word says. And I want to encourage you in this. If there are challenges that you're facing in your life, if there are things that are going on in your heart that you can't seem to get over, or you can't seem to fix, or you can't seem to figure out, what does God's Word say about that situation? You know, most of us have a habit, whenever we face challenges, we run to our friends, run to our neighbors, run to family, run to whoever, go to the internet, because, you know, everything's on the internet, and we try to figure out our problems, correct? I mean, that's what most of us do. But what about God's Word? What does God's Word say about my specific situation? What does God's Word say about my healing? What does God's Word say about my finances? What does God's Word say about my relationships? Because that is the ultimate standard, so in this situation, in this story, God was saying, "All right, we're shutting everything down. There's not going to be any rain until I give Elijah the word." okay? So number one on your notes is,'m not sure I've got this right. Faith begins with a word from God. Number two, faith continues when you hold on to what God said. Faith continues. When you hold on to what God said. 1 Kings eighteen forty three through 44 says this. Go and look toward the sea, he told his surgeon, servant. Elijah, they knew it was time for rain to come. Elijah's up praying on Mount Carmel. with his He's got his servant with him and says, hey, go look at the sea. It's time for this rain to come. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked and the servant came back and said, I don't see anything. There's nothing there. Seven times. Seven times Elijah said, go back, go back, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, there's a cloud out over the ocean as small as a man's hand and it's rising up from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up the chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest, listen to this last statement, if we don't give up. If we don't give up. What I see so many times in people's lives and many times in my own is that we give up before God finishes. How many of you know people that have tried church out? You know? And I, and I say this a lot because it makes sense to me. That's Trying church out is like going to the gym one time and wondering why you're not in shape. Have you ever done that before? Well, I went to the gym that day, and, and I don't know what happened. I was sore, and now I, had nothing, I can't really see any result. And that's what many people do in their relationship with God. We just try them out, but we don't ever get committed and get persistent. And notice Elijah's talking to his servant here. He said, go look. Do you see the cloud rising above the sea? Rain's coming. And the servant goes out and goes, I don't see anything. Did Elijah just go, well, I guess we're done here. I guess, well, we're done. The scripture says that we will see victory if, and notice there's an if there. And if you notice when Jesus talked a whole lot, he used those two little letters, if, a whole lot. It's, a lot of this is on us, guys. A lot of this is on us. Are we going to be persistent? Are we going to stick it out? Are we going to tough it out? And especially even when we don't see anything. Remember, he, he kept sending this servant back, said, hey, the rain's coming, the rain's coming. The servant's going out and go, dude, you are smoking crack. There is no rain. I don't see any. Right? I mean, he's like, there's nothing. And He goes, why do you keep sending me out here? You know, and he did it seven times. Why? Because he believed what God said. And a lot of us, the reason we give up is because we don't see what we think we should see. Because I want to tell you something else. This flood's supposed to come, and the cloud rises up from the sea, and they said it's about the size of a man's hand. Well, that's not very big, is it? Wasn't very big, was it? And, and sometimes that's what we look at. We we look at things in our life and go, "Well, that's not very big. That's not what. Here's the big one. That's not what I expected." you ever ask God that God that's not what I thought you were going to do and I've learned something in my own faith that God tends to answer my prayers but you know what a lot of times it doesn't look anything like what I expected it to (laughs) and I give him all kinds of help I even give him suggestions I'll even give him a list here's five things God just pick one if you'll do one of these I would really appreciate it and as a matter of fact if you could get it done yesterday that would even be better anybody ever done that we try to help him because we're helpful like that. But you know what I've learned? He's, and, and this is my theological perception. God's going to do it his way, the way he wants to, because only he's going to get the glory from it. Amen? And the second thing is, he's going to do it just to show me that he's God. And it's going to be exactly when he decides that it needs to happen. But you do have a part to play. And you need to understand that God is working things out inside of you, but sometimes it's not going to be comfortable, and you're going to have to stick it out until you see the desired end. Because if you give up, you're not going to see, you're not see, get to see it happen. And it tells us, the Scripture says, you've got the option to check out. I'm done, I'm ringing out, I'm finished. And the reason people many times don't see God do miracles in their lives is because they quit. And it was right around the corner. God is more interested. E.B., God is more interested in who you are on the inside. God is more interested in creating our character than he is about just making flippant things happen in your life and showing off miracles and all that. God is interested in you, and he loves you too much to let you stay where you are. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you that much. And so he's going to work things out in your life because he's trying to get you to a purpose. But you're going to have to stick it out in the good times and the bad times when you understand and especially when you don't understand. You just have to trust him. How many of you have ever planted a seed in the ground before? Anybody? You know, when you take that seed, you put it in the ground, and you have a job. You need to make sure it has good soil. You need to make sure it has water and make make sure it has light. But it's not your responsibility to grow that seed, is it? And that seed is like faith. You need to plant it there. You need to water it. You need to make sure it has light. But it's God's responsibility to grow it. And I want you to remember that. And it's going to grow when it's time to grow. And it's going to grow in the season that God wants it to. Your job is to be patient. Because I want to tell you something. If you stand over that seed, and you know it's planted in that little thing, and you're looking in that little cup with that seed down in there, and you go, all right, seed, grow. Is that going to do anything? You're going to look like an idiot and probably pull a hamstring or something. I mean, nothing's going to happen, is it? No. No. God's going to grow that seed in the time that that seed's supposed to grow. But you do have a part to play. Water it. Trust God. God, when this is ready, I'm going to do my part, but I'm going to be patient. How many patient people do I have? Oh, somebody almost raised their hand right then. I saw that. There's there's a couple. There's Don and Joe up there. You know, we've got to learn to be patient, don't we? And allow God to work things out in our lives. Number three on your notes. Faith goes from a small beginning to an awesome finish. Faith goes from a small beginning to an awesome finish. All right, so remember the servant runs outside and says, Hey, I, lo- I saw a little cloud rising up from the sea. It's about the size of a man's hand. Ahab says, Dude, go tell the king, get his chariot ready. Get after it because the rain's coming. And so this is what's going on. So he goes and he tells him that story. Rain's getting ready to come. 1 Kings 18, 45 through 46. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain came on. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord, listen to this. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now think about this. Here's the visual image of this. The cloud's now coming, the servant goes, says Ahab, hey, the storm's coming. Ahab hooks up his horses, he takes off. The power of God, the Holy Spirit comes upon Elijah. He takes his, you know, they wore the tunic things, tucks it into his belt, sprints all the way, passes up Ahab on his chariot. Now how fun would that have been? That would have been like, you know, superhero stuff, that's awesome. You know, and he goes flying by, shows up, Olympic medals, I mean, it's pretty awesome, right? Right? And the power of God comes on him and does that. But what if he'd have given up? What if he'd have said, it's not going to rain? What if he would have, what if he, you know, the first time the sign, uh, now maybe after three times of no clouds, man, we're done here. Maybe after six times, no. But he stuck it out and he trusted God even when he didn't see the result. And by the way, by the way, when the cloud comes up, it wasn't like this big tornadic something coming up. It was a little bitty cloud the size of a hand. But he had faith in God that God was going to accomplish his word. You know, it so excites me this time of year. Really, this time of year to me is like Christmas. And I, Christmas is my favorite. This is, you know, backpack's like a close number two to me, really. And I look back where we were a few years ago when we started the backpack deal on. You know, we started off with, what, 400 backpacks, and, and we reached those few hundred kids that first year. And now you look at this event where thousands of people are reached, and we're partnering with churches around the country, and, and we've got national recognition. Why? For being the hands and feet of Jesus. That's all we're doing is we're giving out hope to people. But we started small, didn't we? And the Scripture tells us, up on your screens, do not despise small beginnings. So what do I mean by that? Some of you might be praying for a job change in your life, and an opportunity comes along that doesn't look like what you want. You wanted to be King Jelly Bean and they want to make you entry-level janitor cleaner. Anybody ever been there? But if you'll be faithful to God, he'll promote you up through that time because you don't need to despise small beginnings. Some of you maybe have a ministry in your heart that you've been wanting to do, and maybe you've been teaching a class and only one or two kids are coming, but you never know what that's going to develop into, and you also don't know who those one or two kids are. You never know the seeds that you may be planting in somebody's life, that God's working something out inside of you, and you don't know. Something that seems so inconsequential to you that God could be setting up a divine thing going on here that's going to last for the rest of your life. I can look back at my life and I can see so many times when God did that, things that I thought were unrelated and didn't make sense and I didn't know what was going on and yet God was working in the background the entire time and he was setting things up. I just had to be faithful and trust him. Because I'm telling you guys, Most of the time when you see God do something in your life, it's probably not going to look like what you thought. It's probably not going to look like what you thought. But if you'll be faithful and if you'll trust him, he'll do something amazing with it. And you're going to have to stick it out. And it it needs to be something to the effect of, God, your word said, so I'm going to stick it out. God, your word said, so I'm going to trust you. God, your word said, even though it doesn't look like anything, I'm going to trust you no matter what, why, because your word said. Let me tell you why we do this. Anybody ever heard of Jesus? You all heard of him? Because he's a pretty important guy in the Bible. What happened when the devil tempted Jesus? What did Jesus say? What did he say? It is written, i.e., God's Word says. That's Jesus. And that's what Jesus, Jesus told the devil, this is what God's Word says. And you know what the devil did? I'm out of here. Because he knew that when God said something, that's exactly what he meant, and that was exactly what was going to happen. And if Jesus did that, It's exactly the same for us. So whatever situation you're facing, whatever's going on in your life, what does God's Word say about that situation? And then you stick to it, and you trust God, and you wait on Him, and you be patient, and you do your part. You plant, you water, you keep making sure that seed, get the weeds out, you do your part, but then you trust God to grow that seed. Amen? All right, well, I'm going to get ready to close here. You guys awake this morning? Yeah, both of you? That's awesome. (laughs) Listen to me. The process is the point. It's in your notes. The process is the point. I love this next statement. God is always interested in who we are becoming. God is always interested in who you're becoming. Why? Because he's creating you to become more like Jesus. God is a master craftsman. He's, he creates masterpieces and he's always interested in developing you and moving you to the next level. I want to talk to you about what the greatest miracle of all is. And we're going to close with a short video today. James chapter 5, 19 through 20 says this My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. God is interested in eternal life. God is interested in your relationship with Him. He's interested in your eternity. Before we start this video today, we're asking for volunteers in many different ways in the church. And i got to tell you, I have never heard anywhere of kids going to a camp and 14 of 28 going up and saying, I feel like God's called me into the ministry in some capacity. 17, thank you. Is that not amazing, guys? But I want to tell you, and I agree, absolutely agree with what Angela said, I believe the reason that God's forming that is is they're looking at you guys and they're seeing how you serve and they're believing the way I want to do. They believe ministry is what we all do. That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. We're going to give you an opportunity here in a couple weeks to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're not giving out backpacks. We're giving out hope. We're giving out life. You're going to get to be the hands and feet of Jesus to people. And not just then, but throughout the year. Some of you, we need you helping and teach in the different things that, that God's called you to do. We need you doing some of these things. But I know I run into this because right now I know I'm speaking to some people. And there are some of you that are saying, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Pastor, I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. Pastor, I, God wouldn't want me. I've got a video today that I'm gonna show you that might change your mind.
1: I wake up about five thirty, get in the shower, into my morning routine, and go around seven o'clock to come to work. I am so excited to go to work, so I do a dance-off in the parking lot. It's a dance of magic. We serve breakfast, lunch, and hugs. The hugs are the best part. I am Tim Harris, and this is my place. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, welcome to my place. How are you doing, I'm good, how are you? Those are the best part, buddy. I love you. Have you been here before? No, I've never been here before. Well, I'm Tim. I'm the owner. Tim's Place is the special place to be at. Because? It's run and operated by me. You guys are doing a great job back here. I love you guys. You guys are the best cooks ever. Since I was a kid, I wanted to own a restaurant. And asked my dad to help me out. I'm very glad I did. Thank you, Dad. I love you so much. I love you too, buddy. I'm very proud of you. When he was about 14 years old, he told us that someday he was going to own a restaurant. After we all uh, gulped and gasped, we began to take him seriously, and the result is history in the making. They supported me so I can nail up my dreams. I'm amazingly proud of my brother. Just what he's accomplished in his lifetime, I mean, people can only dream, you know? I love you, mom. I love
0: As far as we know, we have not yet found another person with Down syndrome in this country that owns their own restaurant. We hope that other people will Though,
1: My favorite part of all is the people coming through that front door. How are you doing today? Good, how are you? Sometimes customers get sad. I give them a hug and then they feel a lot better. Oh,
0: thank you, Tim.
1: The hugs are way more important than the food. The food is food, so... How about a double, double hug? hug? Yep, double hug. Love you guys. I am a lean, mean, hugging machine. Oh, yeah. So let me get this straight. So you're
0: yeah. a restaurateur.
1: Yes. And a Special Olympic athlete. Special Olympic athlete. And you yes.
0: won
1: a gold medal. I've won more medals than Michael Phelps.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I did not let my disability cost the dreams. With people with disabilities, they can do anything they set their minds to. They're special. We are a gift to the world.
0: Awesome. And I saw that this week, and that just inspired me. I think most of us spend so much of our time giving God excuses for why we can't do stuff. Instead of just making so ourselves available to him, instead of just saying, "Here I am, God," you know my brokenness, you know my heart, but I'm going to make myself available to you. You know, he made a statement in there that I think is so good. He said, "He said my restaurant. He said food is food, but hugs. <laughs> you know, backpacks are backpacks, but loving people." Shoes are shoes, but loving people, haircuts, loving people, giving out hope, pointing people to Jesus, that's what's really important. And so I'm going to ask you, we're going to need over 200 volunteers in the next couple weeks. We're going to need people coming up here and setting up, and you're going to have all kinds of opportunities to get involved. And I want you to take some time to do that. Everybody has a part to play everybody can do something. Now, the most important thing we do every week, where's your faith? Because God's interested in your eternity. And I want you to know, and this is a prophetic word for somebody. Some of you are facing a challenge right now that you don't know how you're overcome, and You're praying for God to give you a miracle. And I want you to understand, God's going to help you, but He's more interested in your eternity than He is in getting you out of the problem that you're facing. Somebody? Somebody's facing it. You need God to do a miracle, and He's going to do the miracle, but He's more interested in your eternity. so whoever that is that's why you came today so that's for you and I want you to understand God loves you so much he can pull you out of the fire and he'll pull you out of the fire many of you guys he's pulled you out of the fire so much you smell like a hot dog you know what I'm talking about? but he's interested in your eternity stop running stop fighting him surrender to him stop trying to do it your own way stop eating the nasty cookies and come to him and and let your life be satisfied and let's get where we're supposed to be and allow God to flow through us and do the things that he wants to do don't play games with him anymore it's only messing your life up why are you wasting your life for something that doesn't work let's do it right let's pray